listening to White the Yeah, hey everybody, welcome to What the Truck on this beautiful Monday afternoon. I'm Michael Vincent in the heart of Freight Alley, downtown Chattanooga. I'm the dude, and he is Dooner. What's happening, Dooner, my friend? Hey, man, what's happening? There was a crazy weekend. It's 2020, and uh, in, uh, I don't know, in acknowledging that, downtown Chattanooga this weekend, there was a bear roaming around. It was, uh, I believe, making tracks towards Freight Alley. Did you happen to bump into it? <laughs> I did not happen to bump into it, but I saw I saw that. That's pretty crazy. It was just a couple blocks from here, my friend. Just a black bear roaming around downtown, right? Yeah, one of our fellow uh, logistics bros, Ryan Pamplin, he happened to get some footage of it. I believe we have that. Yo. That's a bear. That's real life. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, man. You know, unfortunately, as a lot of times, you know, you see on Instagram, you see influencers taking pictures with with bears or footage like this. Unfortunately, right. The police said that the bear had been tagged for contact. So they actually had to euthanize it. But um, if you want to make a donation to to bears to help them out, I mean, that's a very cute bear. I think this is a good time to maybe spread some awareness. Check out Appalachian Bear Rescue dot org. Right, Michael Vincent. Yeah, amen. Get on that, right? Yeah, it was tagged previously for human contact. I guess uh, once they they do that, um, they've got to do something about it, unfortunately. So, but yeah, please check that out because that's unfortunate. Yeah, Wayne Craig checking in. He said, "Hey guys from South Haven, Michigan." He's probably seen a few bears over that way. Um, today on today's show, we're going to be talking about highly ongoing public. This morning at nine thirty a.m., they had a big vote to see if they would convert that SPAC into an IPO. It did go through. And now Thomas Healy, he's America's youngest billionaire. That's right. Trucking has America's youngest billionaire. The young man is uh, 28 years old. Michael Vincent will also be talking about digital freight brokerages versus uh, human traditional freight brokerages, EVs versus oil and gas, fighting back against idle time and trucking, driver safety risks, and, uh, you know, that bear we just talked about in Chattanooga. There's also a uh, cyber attack that happened to CMA, CGM, all stuff we'll get into, but let's tip the band first September is Pro Driver Appreciation Month. And guess what? Pilot Flying J is celebrating with a free drink every single day in the app. It's a different deal every day. So log in and see what's new. See pilotflyingj.com for terms and conditions. Right after this. Boom. Kenneth Carter, the third, he says that bear lives mattered. Uh, Ivana Hernandez says, I saw six bears in that video. Oh, yeah, she must be a trucker. Smokey the Bear. Vittoria Leike uh, says hi, and Rhonda says good morning, all. Thank you all for joining us. So our top headline today, big news, big news in the world of freight and trucking. And, uh, you know, I talked to Alan about this over the weekend on Freight Waves Radio because I noticed that Forbes put out an article and it said or uh, it said something to the akin to America's next big billionaire in trucking. A lot of people were jumping on Hylion trying to compare it to Nikola. They're completely different companies in a lot of different ways. Hylion actually has a product that's going to to market. They don't they're not trying to build their own truck. They're trying to retrofit existing trucks with their with their drivetrain and ERX system. But shareholders in a special purpose acquisition company, if you've been following this show or you've been following the new SPACs, big deal, right? Tortoise Acquisition Corp was theirs. They voted Monday morning whether to make the startup electric drivetrain maker Hylion a public company worth more than $7.2 billion. The vote passed. The ticker symbol went from SHLL to HYLN on the New York Stock Exchange. I'm not sure if that's active just yet, but if not, it will be soon. Um, exciting stuff in this space, right? But also happening at an interesting time with also that Nicola news. 
Yeah, it absolutely is an interesting news and uh, and an interesting time for this to occur. But, hey, congratulations to Thomas Healy. He's been on here before. Hopefully we can get him back on here and talk about this stuff. But, you know, it's, it's what they're saying is that's enough money to fund Hylian's business plan to replace diesel engine uh, engines in nearly uh, any manufacturer's heavy-duty trucks. As you pointed out, they're replacing drivetrains within those. So Hylian uh, currently sells an electric axle already that improves the performance of diesel powered trucks. Its next product, the Hypertruck ERX, will use a generator fueled by zero emission renewable natural gas to make uh, onboard electricity to power those power tra- those uh, uh, powertrains. Yeah, that means if you love your Mac, you know, remember we had Mac Lovin on, he was talking all about how uh, he's that quest for 10 plus miles a gallon month over month, make it much easier with that new drivetrain. He doesn't have to get rid of that Mac. You don't have to get rid of your Freightliner, all those kind of things. Plus, it uses CNG. And I'll tell you something, uh, um, Nikola's plan, here's the big difference. Nikola's plan is very tethered into the cost of hydrogen and this ability to build out the 500 to 700 stations that they have promised. Well, I'll tell you something about CNG. It's already out there. There's already 700 stations that have that. So this is a much more mature and advanced product. And I think the only real association between the two companies here are just how close big news about both have come out together. Also, you know, relatively young billionaires formed in both. But I think there's a little bit more with Hylion. This is not a pusher. Right. What of a- <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not a pusher. Yeah, I mean, they talked to in that article. They spoke about uh, uh, you know the fact that they're going to let their milestones speak for themselves and not really you know put out the that that extravagant type of promises that are out there. And the other point is is which is very strong point that I agree with, and you you brought that up is that the infrastructure for the fueling uh, for the uh, RNG is is already out there, right? So they're not dependent on outside uh, technology and infrastructure that needs to fall their way in order to be successful, right? They yeah. can just move on with their technology. It's almost like Back to the Future. Uh, at the end of Back to the Future, if you remember, he was filling the, the DeLorean up, the flying DeLorean with banana peels and, and uh, trash. And that's sort of how a lot of CNG is refined. So it's not always uh, a fossil fuel. It can be re- re- refined from trash and everything like that. But Hylion, also big news here because Tortoise Acquisitions, this is one of, this surprised me, 112 SPAC IPOs this year that have generated more than $42 billion in proceeds. According to SPAC Insider, it's a quicker process to market for a lot of these startups out there. But at the same time, maybe leads to a little less due diligence as we saw with Nikola. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think we'll probably see more uh, due diligence. Al- although Alan, you know, Adler had mentioned that uh, General Motors sometimes has a habit of jumping into things like that uh, without doing enough due diligence. Not saying they didn't in this case, but uh, you know, we talked about is that the downfall of SPACs? Obviously not. Here we have another big one just a week later. Oh, absolutely. B- big, big news. Uh, there's also some news coming out of here. It's a class action lawsuit, Pennsylvania-based. Evans Delivery had settled a class action suit with California drivers. Very litigious over in California, but Evans Delivery Company had settled their suit with uh, over 275 members uh, over the way that it paid drainage drivers in California. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right, with the, the new legislation that's out there that, you know, these type of wage lawsuits uh, between independent contractors and a trucking company, the settlement came relatively quick because these usually take a long time and drag on for four or five years plus. But this suit in the U.S. Federal District Court for Central California was filed in uh, 2018. So less than and it was actually less than two years ago that this was actually filed. And uh, Judge Dale Fisher approved the settlement just this past Friday. 
Well, it's a class action suit. Is anybody getting paid? That's uh, wonders never cease. Under the terms of the settlement, Pennsylvania-based Evans will pay $2.8 million to the attorneys, right? They're always getting the money for the class oh, action yeah. defendants. The, the defendants themselves will retain a third, or roughly 933000 That's divided by, what, 275 people? The original lawsuit filed by the five individuals before going to a class action settlement was based on a bunch of different charges here, though. Serious things for a driver. I mean, don't mean to make light of this here. It's failure to pay compensation for rest breaks, failure to pay compensation for nonproductive times, those idle times, failure to reimburse all necessary business expenses, failure to provide required meal periods, failure to require rest periods, failure to require pages, uh, and failure to pay earned wages on termination. So sounds like, just from these allegations here, and now it played out a really awful place to work for a lot of drivers. It's hard to get your money on anytime you pull the load. Yeah, the, the real outcome here is, as you point out, I mean, not to make light of it, these are serious issues. And, and it's, it's the hope that this stops that practice, right? You're not going to get rich off of one of these class action lawsuits, apparently, in, in, this, in this case. They got a little bit of money, but it's, it's, I guess it's the justice in moving forward to bring awareness to this type of stuff so that it ends that type of practice moving forward and in other companies. Kristen McGowan, she says, Hughes Relocation loves your podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Kristen. Tony Anderson says, morning all. Nico Brown says here, every time he hears Nico, his ears perk up until he hears the la part because uh, of the Nico in his name. He'll be, he's actually going to be a guest on this show today. But first, we're going to call out to Eric Mazzotti. He's, uh, he is the vice president of logistics over at Trailer Bridge. Trailer Bridge always travels heavy with, uh, with their group of people. Let's dial out to him, get him up on the line, and see what's going on in his world. He wanted to talk about that right hot-button topic about uh, digital freight brokerages and human freight brokerages. <laughs> Hey, Eric, thank you so much for joining us, Dooner and the Dude, today on What the Truck. We're happy to have you. How's it going? Going great here. We're excited. You sent us some, you sent us some meaty topics to talk about today. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> been uh, an interesting topic in our space here recently, for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the ones you wanted to talk about was sort of pricing and that fixed margin-based pricing. Um, tell me a little bit about that, because we're starting to hear about digital RFPs getting more involved, and um, the, the market's getting a little bit more cloudy. So this is a good time to bring some insight into the differentiation. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Uh, I think uh, I think some of it is a, a solution for a problem that doesn't quite exist. I, I, I mean... In our space, I think in the transportation, third parties, uh, here at Trailer Ridge, uh, we have ocean business, we have trucking, drayage group, and we have a logistics brokerage operation as well. But in terms of when serving clients, we service them with, with year-long pricing, sometimes two-year-long pricing with some um, annual increases. And then also there's, there's spot pricing uh, that, that gives customers and customers have advantages and disadvantages of all of those choices. Um, from, from reliability of the pricing structure, as long as the, the provider they're with is willing to uphold that. And, and the shipper has to uphold the, the shipping volumes that they expect um, and not, not giving the freight to other providers as well. But in terms of the, the, the set pricing margin and, and um, fluctuate with uh, the, the current cost, uh, you know, it's really just, to me, it's more of a spot um, solution the only difference is they're trying to market it where instead of using multiple providers on the spot, it's only one provider that, that they're going with, which if you can, if you can market that correctly, that's a, that, that's a great, that's a great opportunity for, for that business or any business. Yeah, Eric, that's a solid point. I mean, it, it comes down to when you're talking about a markup or a set markup on, on spot, on the same lane, it, it, there's not a set spot market price, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> whoever's willing to go the lowest or whoever's willing to pay the highest is going to set the spot and it can fluctuate throughout the day and carrier to carrier, correct? 
Exactly. I, I mean, when you when you think about all of the origin zips and destination zips, and you do a you know you multiply those together with all the different possibilities of lanes, um, you know, you think about I mean, how many millions of different origins and destinations there can be, and then to your point. Um, the, the market the market sets the price in this in in terms of supply and demand will find a balance. Um, but that said, if if a company really wants to get aggressive in a lane, they can go under market. I mean, that's how that's how many transportation providers have gotten their share of business. It, it's not been some technology that's given them an opportunity um, to get to get more freight than a competitor. They price under market in effort to get more scale and, and to, to get more relationships. And at some point. Um, turn those into a profitable business. You know, there's been a, a, a few different companies arguing about this online, so we're not going to name names here, but let's define this a little bit, because when I've been listening to some of these arguments, it seems that when you talk about digital freight brokerage, what a lot of people are actually complaining about are uh, venture or capital-backed companies that are using tech and also picking up market share, maybe at a loss using that money versus human brokers, because most brokers now have some sort of digital component. You know, digital freight brokers still have humans on the, the back end of them, but what's your take on that argument between the the digital freight broker and the traditional freight broker. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, almost the, the, at least the, the top tier um, people in the freight brokerage space, technology is a huge involvement. I, I mean, uh, at Trailer Bridge, we're here in the process of transitioning from multiple TMSs uh, from different divisions to one TMS to give us, to give us better access to our account managers in terms of the equipment that we own. Um, also, our partner carriers and how we can leverage those two together to provide the best solution for the client. Uh, but in that space, our, our account manager who's working with the customer, it's going to give him carrier history. It's going to give him lane history, pricing history. And, and so tons of technology is, is coming to um, our, our expert, our, our account manager. We just think that person provides I mean, so much importance. You know, one of the things that makes our space a lot different than, say, the passenger traffic is that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna catch an Uber or you're gonna catch a Lyft, I mean it's, you you put in the type of car you want, where you're at, and how many people, and and, and that's really all the variables involved. Well, in our business, I mean there's there is uh, loading times, appointment times, product types. Some drivers don't like shipping different types of product. Weights. I mean I can go on. It, it's literally a list of 30, 40 different variables, and, and those those make it very complicated, which, which doesn't mean that, that technology can't help you solve it, but a human, um, they are working with the customer, understanding the, the preferences. Um, it's just so important at the end of the day, if, if you're shit, you know, if you're having an Uber and, and you know, you have a car ready and then all of a sudden it cancels out at you. Well, I mean, that works in the, in the passenger traffic, but if you're shipping for FEMA, which we're a provider of, and, and you're doing supplies, and somehow the load doesn't match up, and then it just falls off. Well, that's not an acceptable solution. And so someone has to be there ready and able to provide that solution for the client if they're going to be successful. Yeah, you've got to have that blend of, of the, the, the human sentiment, that knowledge, that true partnership, the, the, the value add of knowing that business and being the solution provider along with those technological capabilities of, of efficiency and, and price discovery, et cetera, blended together is what you're talking about, right, Eric? Exactly, exactly. That, that's the best solution. There's definitely, you know, all of us are using technology and the ones that do it the best are going to be successful. But if they think, that, that that removes you know the experts and I think I think some companies are afraid of their employees. They're afraid to teach them and have them involved in the 
in the in the uh, relationship between the client because then this employee has so much value and if I can if I can promote technology then you know that that's not going to leave us and you know we 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 just we just don't believe in that here at Trailer Bridge we we don't have non competes for our employees we just think you know we're going to train you we're going to tie you into the relationship and we're going to give you a place that that you want to work and that way you know we don't have to be so afraid um, that, that employees will walk out the door and, and they may carry so much value. You know, and you bring up a good point. I mean, when you're talking about digital freight brokerages, it's not like most of these things are just operating out of a basement in Silicon Valley. In order to be a build a big company that can service this industry, as you mentioned, there's so many different variables. There still has to be the right expertise behind all of that stuff to make these processes work or else, you know, what's there to worry about? They're not really going to pick up market share. You know, cheap freight only does so much if it's not delivered on time or it's delivered to the wrong place. There's still that strong backbone that has to be there, right? Uh, agree agree completely and, and um you know it, there's been there's been a lot of interest in the space and a lot of vc money has come in and, and like i said the, the market will play itself out and, and and the winners will get chosen over time here um and, and we're just excited we're excited about people trying to make for a better brokerage better freight better transportation industry very good, Eric. And and talking about the market playing itself out, we're looking at you know capacity right now. And and I'm looking at the outbound tender rejects uh, nationally for different modes. And you know, dry van is still over one in four nationally being being rejected, and forty one is the is a refrigerated rejection. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, nearing fifty percent. It's down a little bit from last week, but. We've got some capacity crunch for sure, and going into this season, what are your thoughts on that? And what are you guys seeing? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, since middle May, I mean, it's just gone up every week. I mean, I say that except maybe these last couple of weeks, um, it's plateaued. I don't know that it's really dipped, um, but you, you know, I, I mean, we've been surprised uh, with how 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 much it's gone up. It's what makes some of the predictive rate tools hard to hard to really. Um, you know, believe they're going to be accurate. It's like predicting gas prices, you, you know, six months from now. It, it's not easy to do. There, there's obviously a lot of uh, supply and demand forces at play. So we've had a capacity crunch. It's been very difficult. Um, you know, on our asset side, it's been great. I mean, just in terms of the demand for those containers. And we've had, uh, you know, from the oceans to the trucking to, to the local drayage operations. Um but we expect at this moment, I mean, we probably expect it to go, at least from a plateau standpoint, will it continue to go up in terms of price and, and more rejections? I'm not sure. But until at least the Thanksgiving um, time marker, we expect it to stay about where it's at. And then and then maybe, you know, the, the new truck orders um, and, and other different things that are, that are happening in the market will create um, more of a balance and, and we can get a more stabilized uh, pricing structure. Amber Humphrey, she says, Eona is right. We are hiring. Check out our openings here, trailerbridge.com slash careers. Amber. I I would recommend it, too. I mean, there's nobody. You know, we've been doing, uh, we've been done, what, 250, almost 250 What the Trucks, Michael Vincent, over the course of the show. Nobody shows up and supports (laughs) better than Trailer Bridge. And that says a lot to me. We've had a lot of different guests on the show. Nobody brings the crowd like they do. You know, nobody's really going to be checking attendance lists on this anything. Your people are doing this of their own volition because they love and support the company. And that speaks volumes volumes to me no it's, it's great I, I you know following mitch is not the easiest thing to do so i wasn't i wasn't quite sure if uh w- what kind of attendance i'd get but uh but no it, it's great i mean we, we love seeing everyone here be successful i mean amber heads up our recruiting department she does a great job we've 
we've added more staff since the start of this pandemic than than um, where we were at than where we started the whole this whole issue in March. So I think mean, it's been fun. It's been exciting, and and we just we're excited to see where it goes. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. Uh, everyone, go to trailerbridge.com. And look, a lot of people have lost jobs this year, have been furloughed. If you're looking for a great place to work, Trailerbridge hiring, trailerbridge.com slash careers. Thank you once again for your time and for your great team for uh, joining us on the show today. I always love when they represent strong with that TB Nation hashtag in our comments. Definitely. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Eric. You know, tra- the, the trailer bridge never lets us down. They always come in strong. Uh, TV, like you said, <laughs> TV Nation always represents strong on this show. That's for sure. You know what, Tom Tom Curry, he always represents strong in the comments, too, and always has at least one awesome comment. Today, his is, I think it's interesting that most of the conversations in this space is why one does or doesn't work, usually one side pointing fingers at the other about who's going to win. And, you know, his whole point is really it's about what the shippers want. And, you know, that's my one thing about the argument. Like, great, we can listen to people argue for hours on end who are on both sides of space, traditional or digital freight brokerages. But ultimately, the service providing and the value they offer to the market is what is going to make them win. So you can either go and argue or you can make your business better and stronger and serve shippers better and use your time to do that. It's up to you. Yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. You got to figure out what your what your your potential customer base wants and what your customer base wants and, pr- and provide that. And if that's a blend, then it's a blend. There's there's a space for uh, both the straight up digital and there's a space for, uh, you know, that voice broker is as we, we like to say. Um, and there's a space for that blend. So like you said, go out there and provide, be that value added player or that partner vendor and uh, succeed. Yeah. Now we're going to tell it to Nico Brown, the man whose ears perk up when he hears Nicola thinking people are calling out to him. I know he's in the comments. Hopefully he, he realizes that those are about a uh, 60 second delay. <laughs> hey, Nick, Nico. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Nicola. What's up, man? You're not. This is not a pusher. You're not a pusher, are you? Uh, no, no, I'm not a pusher, not at all. You're a regional sales manager over at Skybits. You're over in Fairfax, Virginia, and you're also a big fan of uh, of possum shirts. Showing that off uh, off really quick. I know you're on the phone, so you can you can only see it in the uh, the video chat over here. But how are you doing, man? We've been talking. Th- this is an interesting topic. We were just talking to Eric about the digital freight brokerage versus the traditional freight brokerage. Have you found yourself in that argument at all? I know you guys do. You know, you're more about visibility and tracking over at Skybits, but I'm sure you have an opinion. Yes and no. So it's funny. Uh, I, I have a a weird job at Skybits and you know it kind of helps that I'm a weird person in general so it kind of mixes with me pretty good um, but I'm a I'm a data provider you know Skybits in itself is a data provider so what we do is no matter what you're trying to do whether you're you know a traditional brokerage or you know trying to get more into the digital side of things it's my job to provide the words basically that a fleet manager would use to write the story of their company and their performance right now so that they have the data that they need to address whatever they're doing. Interesting perspective, Nico. I I, I like that quite a bit. Now we've been talking, we were also talking about the capacity uh, crunch that is going on. And we've always talked about, you know, driver shortage. And I guess it was last week we were talking about uh, driver pay as well. And we we saw some increased bonus there, possibly setting off a a bidding war, I guess, for, for drivers to bring them on in different companies. We haven't seen that come to fruition yet. It just started last week, but we'll see. What are you guys seeing in in those different spaces and the capacity and driver shortage? Well, 
in capacity and driver shortage, you know, one thing we've been seeing, you know, and I, I guess that's really coming, you know, from companies like Freight Waves and, you know, CCJ and APA, uh, where, you know, it's when you're having a driver shortage, the biggest thing you have to do is find creative ways of kind of managing what what jobs you're giving to what drivers. Um, I actually had a customer I was talking to this morning uh, who said that one of the things that they do in their system is when they're looking at their idle times and their detention times for specific customers, they know who their worst offenders are for like high detention times. So what they do is they take loads from those customers and they give them to, I don't want to say desperate, but like, you know, drivers who are you know, calling in, trying to get like an additional run, you know, do you have anything you can give to me? You know, they prioritize those kind of high detention runs to drivers who are just trying to make some extra money because they'll tell them up front, you know, hey, look, you know, you might get paid a little bit differently for this job because of the high detention, but, you know, it, it's still a great job, you know? So it, it's setting, like using the data to set those expectations and kind of prioritize who you're giving those jobs that way, you know, your drivers who are already supposed to be there or, you know, your drivers who, you know, are way more sensitive to any type of uh, time variance, you know, you, you can prioritize your, your jobs for those drivers. Yeah, you know, I got to agree with you. Back in 2018, when the big topic of driver shortages out there, shipper of choice became a very popular term. You know, my argument at the time was ELDs are your best friends now because they're going to give you the data on who those biggest offenders are. Aside from ELDs and maybe geofencing, how does Skybit's uh, tracking work into that? What do you what do you advocate? Because I know you often talk about not just waiting until you hit the crisis point to start optimizing your fleet and making those good decisions. These are sort of best health practices for your fleet you want to implement all of the time but what are some of those practices um so we focus and well i focus specifically a lot on uh what's called like negative space thinking you know you're not really looking for what the data shows but you're looking for what it doesn't show so you know if you're you know say you're trying to raise like your average revenue per trailer you know you have to look at all the metrics that add up to that you know, so what we do is we provide, you know, we, we almost inundate you with the availability of data points so that no matter how you want to attack a problem, you know, there's something in the system there for you. So it, it's not really just about location. We're, we're not a tracking provider. We're a data provider. And, you know, for us, what that means is, you know, yes, it's not about waiting for a problem to come up. It's monitoring, you know, at the macro level so that you see the problem starting before it becomes a problem so that you can change uh, what's going into the equation to get a different result. Excellent, Nico. Now, I want to switch gears just a, just a little bit right here, and let's talk about solar power. So, you've got Solar Tracker. Can you get it? Uh, tell us a little bit about Solar Tracker. Yeah. So, Solar Trackers kind of came about as a an, ex, an extension of how Skybit started. You know, we kind of helped define long term non powered asset tracking. Um, 
so solar is kind of the next step because we had already, you know, mastered how to get the most out of one charge on a battery for reporting capabilities. But when you tie that in with a solar cell that's recharging that battery, now we have a tracker that will, you know, stay live for almost forever as long as it's getting direct sunlight, but also one that maximizes its standby battery when it's not getting that direct sunlight. Wow. Interesting stuff. So, Nico, people who want to, uh, to to learn more about Skybits want to k- keep the conversation going on with you. I know you're very active on LinkedIn. How do they go about doing that? Uh, so you can reach out to anybody who works at Skybits uh, on LinkedIn. Um, all of our account managers have active accounts. Uh, you can call our sales number, which I'm a horrible person because I don't have it uh, off the top of my head. Uh or, you know, you can catch us. We're doing uh, the McLeod User Conference uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, I'll actually be helping to uh, represent Skybits there. Um, go to live.freightwaves.com. Go to live.freightwaves.com. Check out our virtual event tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Sorry, you, can't cross Sorry. Promo- you can't cross promote another event. We got an event coming up tomorrow. Nico, jeez. Nico, did you get your possum shirt? I did not, but I got a dragon shirt. Oh, okay. From the same shop? Uh, yes, I did. It, oh. it was. I'm, I'm hoping it fits. It's a little bit smaller than I normally wear, but I've been told I'm losing weight. So, woo-hoo. oh, well, congratulations to you! I'll give you a little cowbell for. Uh, I'll give you a little cowbell for uh, for the weight loss, man. Just in time for uh, winter for the big sweater season. But you know, it's the best time to get in shape. Then you pop off in spring, and people are like, "Wow, it's a whole new Nico." Yeah, and then, you know, I look better in ugly Christmas sweaters. Yes. <laughs> okay, man. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on the air today. We really appreciate it. All right. You have a good day, man. Take it easy. Wow. There's Nico. Thanks, Nico. Man, I can't believe every time he hears, he gets tri- like triggered like Pavlov's dog or something every time he hears Nicola because, you know, of that Nico in his name. That's what he's saying in the comments. Ivan Hernandez brings up a good point. He's a professional driver at Warner, and he says, with the generational transition with this industry, we are seeing the newer generation accepting and embracing the digital era within our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Naturally. I mean, if you are, you know, under 40, I'm sure picking up the phone and dialing is kind of a, a foreign thing for a lot of people. I mean, I know like I, uh, I hide when my phone starts ringing Michael Vincent and I immediately silence the ringer. It's the worst sound in the world to me. Sound of a ringing phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like the sound of a ring. My kids don't understand what hang up the phone means. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not a big phone uh, talker, I guess, which is kind of ironic for someone who talks for a living, but Hey, yeah. want to play it forward. Want to play it forward. We're, we're start. We're kicking off our fall season. Play it forward. Today, with our return guest here to play an encore, it's going to be Brendan Dawson. He's called the Dragon Slayer. You heard that name before? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, let's kick it off, man. Get right at him. He also gave us a clip, so we'll play a clip of his video right after we uh, we get him up on the phone. Good morning. Hey, so Brandon Dawson. Well, I've got some red meat for you. Yeah, man, I got red meat for you. I got Well, you got red meat for us. You've made uh, a brand new track for us to play. Should we jump into the video? Should we check it out? Then we'll talk all about it. What do you, what do you feel? That sounds great to me, guys. I uh, look forward to it. I haven't watched it yet, so it'll be my first time. Yeah, same here. So every, uh, in the back, play the tape. Let's hear uh, Brandon Dawson's track. Hello, Freight Waves. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Mike, for having me on the show. I'm going to play a song for you by Mr. Steve Earle. That's about a trucker who's praying to God found himself in a difficult situation and he's trying to make a deal to get himself home safely. It's called Home to Houston. Mm-hmm. 
Basra They all wished me luck Just like they always did before With a bulletproof screen On the hood of my truck And a Bradley on my back door Well I loaded her up Then I shifted her down And I offered this prayer to my Lord Good God, get me back home to Houston alive And I won't drive a truck anymore Wow! Sweet. <laughs> Here we go, man. Hey, we got you back on. Uh, we got you back for another another track. You uh, you've been hitting those uh, strings uh, pretty hard since we last spoke to you. Oh yeah, you know I appreciate the appreciate the opportunity. I play uh, whenever I can. It's how I do my relaxation. So yeah, I get on there, uh, sort of unwind at the every uh, at the end of every day with a little guitar time. Beautiful stuff, Brandon. I, I, li- I love to pick up my guitar every single day myself, <laughs> play for at least a couple hours. But what I'm really interested in is is how many dragons have you actually slain? And can you tell our audience where the best hunting grounds are in North America? <laughs> well, we slay lots of dragons around here. We slay them for our motor carrier friends all over the highway. So, yeah, the dragons <laughs> all exist in the highway, and they all have four wheels on them. So... Uh, you want to, you want, those are the ones you want to be careful of. Those are the ones you want to, you want to stay clear of when you're out there on the roads. Hey, Brian, I got one more question for you before we get to some serious business. So uh, you just staged a birthday party. I have one coming up for my six-year-old. You uh, did a jalapeno eating contest. Do you have any advice for those of us who may uh, be so inclined to set up something similar? <laughs> well, it was completely improvisational, as you uh, as you saw. I did neither cajole nor organize the jalapeno eating contest. I merely provided the materials out of my garden. <laughs> so, uh, my suggestion: if you got six year olds, keep them out of the garden. Oh, keep them out of your garden, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you wash your hands during that contest and afterwards, Dooner. I've taken contact. Advice. I've taken my contacts out after cutting peppers, and it is an, an awful idea. Don't don't do that. You don't want, you don't want to do that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> but Brendan, hey, you know, the new HOS regs are coming into effect, right? Uh, so let, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you think they're a step in the right direction for safety, these new HOS regs? Oh, I think they've been messing around with the HOS regs uh, too often. And the trouble with the uh, hours of service regulations is they're not written by drivers. They're written by by scientists, which is great. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if it's going to make uh, the highways safer and the freeways more productive, uh, it's kind of hard to get involved in that for me. I uh, My job has always been to uh, respond to what the regulations do. So, um, in all honesty, since I've been out of trucking, uh, I haven't been paying all that much attention to them. You know, when I, whenever I bring this topic up to drivers, especially on Road Dog or ones we've had on this show, they're always like, you know, hours of service, hours of smurvis, they're, uh, you know, these these smaller changes. But what they really would like to see is make, you know, some insurance that they're going to get paid on detention times. They're not going to be waiting long. They're going to keep their truck moving and they're not going to be stuck idling. Those are the kind of concerns that drivers have. They don't care about exactly about where exactly you're moving uh you know, the rest break. And a lot of times when you're talking about extending hours of service, all the drivers here is that you are going to just make us work longer and harder for less pay. Uh, but what are the big safety concerns you've heard about in, in 2020? What's on your radar? What should, what should people uh, de-risk? What should they be looking for? 
Well, I think there's a there's a there's a couple big hot button issues out there. One of them is uh, is uh, parking. These things just aren't easy to park, and so if you're going to uh, impose rest on drivers, uh, you got to give them some place to put the darn thing. And hopefully, you know, uh, states all around would be uh, improving their rest area situations. And, and of course, you mentioned it already, detention time, uh, which also goes hand in hand with the general lack of respect for the drivers uh, that are out there bringing us all the goods. So uh, I think those are those are the big things. And that's that's my personal campaign is always working to try to bring a, a higher level of respect to to our industry and our drivers. I just don't think they they get what they deserve out there. I couldn't agree with you more. I think bringing more respect and in, and in a lot of ways, the, the crisis this year has, has brought about a lot of respect and, and shown a light really on just what the truck drivers do and their importance being there in the front line really of, of the supply chain and bringing everything that we need from, you know, the, the protective equipment, safety equipment to just those general things that we utilize on a, on a daily basis, including food. If you're not aware of what trucks bring to you, um, during 2020, though, we saw a lot of different uh, safety concerns, et cetera, but there's been new technology. Are, are, are you an advocate of using the data, et cetera, we've, uh, to coach drivers and to learn those skills and to help them be safer drivers? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of technology for, uh, for all the ways it makes our lives easier. And data is one of those things. But I tell you, data is only as good as the information it shows. So, um, yes, data coaching through, uh, through cameras, uh, driver-facing cameras, I, I think is, is a good thing. Anything you can do to reduce the risk. Uh, our tr- these trucking companies, guys, they just face a risk every day out there on the road that uh, that uh, everything's going to fall apart from one single single accident. So, at, at reducing that risk at every turn is is critically important. Yeah, you never even know when someone's going to jump on the hood of your your semi truck, like we saw out in Florida. Florida, be like, no, wasn't that crazy? What the. F- it sure was, Brandon. Uh, Brandon, where do people go to reach out to learn more, man? We thank you for playing it forward with us today. Uh, I appreciate it a great deal. You can reach us at accidentplan.com. I'm always available on the phone, 833 uh, You can also please uh, join in. You guys have been talking about technology. We've got a trucking technology roundtable coming up on October 15th. Uh, with an expert panel of technologists. We're going to talk about all the tools that work and all the ones that don't. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Brandon. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate a great deal. Have a great day. Well, well, Thank you, Brandon. Good stuff out of him. Good stuff out of him. You know, the next guest that we're going to have on here, it's Colin McClelland. He's from Digital Wildcatters, and they're, uh, they cover the oil and gas side of, of freight and the oil and gas industry. They do it uh, a little bit like Freight Waves, right? They got some podcasts going on. They have some videos going on. They were just recently in, um, I thought I heard a truck driving by. They were just recently over at uh, Freight Alley. Colin was from, uh, from Digital Wildcatters, so I'm going to dial him up right now. Yeah, he was just in last week. Yeah. This will be interesting. I I, I I did not know this was going on. It's very it's very interesting. I'd like to ask him a few questions. That's for sure. Well, and here's here's even bigger news. So we're gonna just talk to him about his experience coming over to to Freight Alley, how he got in touch with Freight Waves, and his experience in Chattanooga. But then after very right after this show, there's going to be a brand new Fuller Speed ahead with our own. 
founder and CEO Craig Fuller talking to this young man, Colin, Colin McClelland over here. He's, he's uh, the co-founder of Digital Wildcatters. Colin, thanks so much for giving us a little of your time today. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny because we started following each other on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and I think it was because uh, we just uh, our, our streams crossed because of the Nicola coverage, right? We were both highly interested in what was going on with uh, with that company and finding out if it was or wasn't. This is not a pusher, and all that kind of stuff going on with with uh, T Millie and the gang. Um, <laughs> so, uh, before we even jump into Wildcatters, what do you make of the whole uh, the whole Nicola um, balloon popping? Yeah, you know, I think it happened faster than we anticipated. Um, you know, there's always been a lot of skepticism around Nikola. And when that, that short paper came out a few weeks ago, you know, this entire company and story just kind of unraveled pretty quickly. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on the uh, energy vehicle technology, and I, I hope to see something come from it. But, you know, to have a story like this kind of out the gate, um, you know, it's kind of a negative look for the entire industry. So, um, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, you know, dinner. I think that we connected on Twitter. Um, I've launched a lot of memes over on, on Twitter about the whole <laughs> Nikola saga. So, um, you know, it's been a good time covering it. So I got a question for you uh, before we jump into a little bit about Wildcatters and your experience at Freight Alley. Hylion just went public today with uh, 20-year-old founder Thomas Healy. He's been on the show. He's probably a complete 180 from uh, Trevor Milton. He's very even keel, sort of very thoughtful in his answers and doesn't really, uh, you know, have a, he doesn't have um, a section with trolls on Instagram live or anything like that. <laughs> he plays it a little bit more professionally. Um, their product is, is a real product. It's a retrofitting existing trucks. What do you make of them? You, you think that they're going to have a better road to uh, over the next few months than Nicola did? Yeah, I hope so. And I mean, you know, highly on uh, here in Texas based out of Austin, you know, I'm rooting for them. Um, you know, I think that, my, my issue with Hylion isn't within the product itself, but within the, the capital structure. You know, there's a lot of conversation around SPACs and um, some of these companies going public uh, via SPACs instead of IPOs. And in the oil and gas sector, we've had our fair share of experience with SPACs, and a lot of them have been bust and have just been, um, you know, we kind of chalk it up to financial engineering. And, you know, you saw Nikola go public through a, through a SPAC, and obviously that didn't work out too well. So I think that it'll be interesting to see how Hylion uh, plays out. You know, I'm rooting for them, and I hope I hope they do do well. Um, I think the founder um, is a little bit more legitimate than Trevor Bowen. So, um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, Colin, uh, interesting perspective there. But I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, we're talking about Nikola, and we're talking about Hylion. Um, it doesn't sound like you view those as being a threat to the oil and gas industry going to EV uh, vehicles, uh, electrified vehicles, or or do you? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, so here's the thing. You know, a lot of people focus on the end product, which is the electric vehicle, but the, the main issue is the underlying infrastructure for electricity. And I think a lot of people outside of oil and gas don't realize that 63% of U.S. electricity is generated from fossil fuels. And so when you really look at that, it's like, okay, how, you know, does it make a lot of sense, you know, if you're, if you're taking a, a semi-truck that's powered by diesel, you know, you're taking this direct byproduct of fossil fuels and you're energizing a vehicle with it. Now you're saying, okay, we're going to take these fossil fuels and we're going to going to produce more electricity and then we're going to use that electricity for these trucks. There's a lot of inefficiencies there. And then, you know, you can look at what's happened in the past few weeks with California 
know, California has a heat wave, you know, 100 degrees, and all of a sudden they're having rolling blackouts. People are without electricity for a few days, and then they put out this mandate that's saying that they're going to ban um, internal uh, combustion engine sales um, in the next 15 years. And you have to really question, how does the grid support that? How do we produce enough electricity to sustain um, electric vehicles. So I think everyone focuses on the electric vehicle technology, but they don't put enough focus on the infrastructure and the grid. If, if you had to pick one, do you think, what do you think is the longest play here? Is it, uh, is it the CNG? Is it the hydrogen? Is it the battery EVs? Is it, I mean, as you've just mentioned, fossil still going to play a big role. I mean, not even just in fueling electricity in terms of making like the plastic and polymers for these trucks, let alone all the other plastic and polymers and fabrics in the world that use, uh, <laughs> that use natural, that use, um, fossil fuels to make them. But if you had to say, which is good, the, the Trojan horse, at least that people are going to be buying their energy through in the next 10 years, which do you think is going to win this war? You know, it's a really good question. Um, I, I think hydrogen fuel cell technology is really intriguing, and I like that personally. And then I also think that the electric vehicle conversation is kind of split into two parts. You know, I think that the consumer vehicle um, is a completely different animal than, um, you know, heavier semi-trucks and 18-wheelers. So I, I do think that electric vehicles have a part. I just don't think that the adoption curve is going to be as, as um, you know, short as a lot of people think it is just because the infrastructure isn't there. So I, I think that the technology for electric vehicles is there, and I think that it's going to develop rapidly over the next uh, few decades. But like I said, you know, I just can't see realistically how, um, you know, if you look at California, how can California's government and the utility companies, two um, bodies that are known not to move fast, how are they going to be able to instill this infrastructure in the next um, 15 years to be able to support everyone having an electric vehicle? So, you know, if I was looking at it, I like the, the electric vehicle technology, but I'm just worried about the sustainability of it. Mm. Yeah, good, good, good point, Colin. So, you were just re- recently here at uh, at Freight Alley in beautiful uh, downtown Chattanooga, visiting with our co-founder and CEO Craig Fuller. How was your experience here at at, at Freight Waves? And did you see any bears? Yeah. <laughs> did you see any bears? I, 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 I saw you guys post the the video of the black bear running through downtown, and I was like, man, I just missed all the action. If I would have just stayed another day, maybe I could have seen it. Uh, yeah, no. So I had a had an excellent time. So it's funny. Uh, Craig was on a podcast the other day and. I was listening to it and, you know, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing at Freightways and Freightways is very analogous to what we're doing at Digital Wallcatters. You know, I'm kind of telling people now that we're the Freightways of oil and gas. So wanted to link up with Craig and the team over there. And uh, yeah, I came to Chattanooga on Friday and visited the office and got to say, man, I'm uh, a little jealous of y'all's studio. I took some video of it and took it back to our team and said, hey, we got to we got to build up to this point. So, um, you know, I, I love getting to meet everyone up there at Freightways. And I think that you guys are doing some really cool stuff well i mean we'll give you some advice on that the, the like the studios and things like that tend to evolve themselves even that space alone pre-covid was completely different we did shoot stuff up there but it was also like a full working uh sales and operations floor as well it's it's changed quite a bit as you notice when you went in there and there's maybe what five people within freight alley and that's it's really just production team emily and uh, the person you were talking to craig fuller yeah, that's what uh, Craig was saying. He said, you know, pre-COVID that you walk in there and you had a bunch of uh, sales and analysts up there working and crunching on the computers. And now you go in there and it's a fully dedicated studio. You kind of got a, a CNN vibe going on in there. You know, you guys are big time. So um, it's funny how those things evolve. You know, same thing for us. You know, we uh, when we first started our podcast, we were recording out of the house. And now we've got a pretty nice studio. So I think those things just happen, you know, in steps of evolution.
Well, Colin, I'm sure I'm sure our audience is going to want to check out some of your stuff. So where would they go to to learn more information? And I, they should also stick around because at 1 p.m., your interview, we're going to dive into a lot of different topics about what you guys cover in the background of your business and all that kind of stuff on fuller speed ahead. But in the meantime, is it wildcatters digitalwildcatters.com? Yeah, digitalwildcatters.com. And then you can find me on Twitter, uh, if you're on Twitter as well. My handle at FrackFlap. So, yeah, uh, be sure to check us out and reach out to me. Yeah, if you like Nicola memes as well, definitely check out Colin's uh, <laughs> Frack Slap Twitter. <laughs> hey, man, social media is great. You put that. I mean, you wrote social media. You even said your social media always amazed me. I linked up on Twitter with the founder of Bleach Report, who took the time to talk with me. He pointed me towards a podcast. I had an episode with Freight Waves. A couple of weeks later, you're at Freight Waves talking to Craig Fuller. But I mean, here's the funny thing that people should know. Social media is super empowering. And look, if you think you have a little bit to offer a good conversation to anyone, just go on Twitter and just tweet at these founders. That's that's how we get a lot of our guests. That's how you hooked up with him. It's uh, the way we're doing business these days. It's it's uh, it, the barrier's been brought down quite a bit. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, look, you know, four four weeks ago, five weeks ago, dinner. You know, me and you didn't know each other. I didn't know Craig, uh, and through a series of conversations, all of a sudden, you know, we're here on a phone call. So I encourage people to always get on social media. You know, don't be afraid to uh, DM people. They'll they'll answer you, and um, it's a great way to make connections. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So, uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Uh, thank you for, uh, for being on the show. We're going to go to Emily on Big Deal, Little Deal, but after the show, fuller speed ahead, 1 p.m. Eastern time with Colin, and then it'll be available on demand podcast players everywhere. Just look up fuller speed ahead or Freightcast for every single Freightways podcast, or download the Freightways TV app if you want to watch it. Colin, you're not a bad looking guy, so people might want to watch it. Thank, thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> good, good stuff with him, man. Uh, should we get over to, uh, should we get over to the zinc? Big deal. Yeah. Is the big deal here? I am here. Yes. I'm sensing you have a bit of a man crush on Colin. That was uh, quite the way to sign out there, Duder. I'm just saying, you you know, you slagged me again to mention I've done it three times. I had to give a fourth read. So I was going to, you know, maybe sell his looks on this particular this particular time. I loved what he said, though, how he said he's now telling people that he is the freight waves of oil, just like we tell people we're the Bloomberg of freight. So I think that is really cool, that evolution you hear there. And it was great having him here. And we always try to level up, like we say on our team every single day. And we want to be the Bloomberg of freight. And it's great to see others wanting to be like us. And I think sometimes we forget to sit back and say, wow, we have done all this because we've seen it every single day. So it's nice hearing that outsider's perspective. Word. Yes, for sure. Well, it is time for yet another Freight Waves virtual event. On Tuesday, starting at 10 Eastern time, is the future of logistics real estate. We do have a clip um, to kind of tease ahead to tomorrow's keynote, if the guys in the back can play that. It's funny. We, we've been doing the exact same. So, you know, we sort of took the, the mindset that we wanted to ensure that we, come, we came out of the crisis in a stronger position than we went in. And like you, we had been investing in uh, digital and, and data pretty heavily. So we had a pretty good foundation to build from. But today we're trying to create that environment where we can interact with our colleagues in a way that makes sense for them, interact with our customers on a 24-7 basis so they can choose when and where they interact with us. So I, I think it's very similar and I completely agree. I think if you're going to come out of this crisis stronger than you went in, you have to heavily invest in technology and begin to leverage it in ways that we haven't before. Nice. So, Emily, is the ask here, is this a big deal or a little deal? 
Of course. How did you know, Dieter? <laughs> Big deal or little deal that we have the future of logistics real estate starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow, presented by Prologis. That was just Gary Anderson. He is the COO of Prologis. Great keynote, but that's just one of many conversations we have tomorrow. So what do you think, Dooner? Big deal or little deal? It's a huge deal. You can win a Peloton. You can ride with me on my uh, elite fleet, the elite logistics fleet right here. So you go to live.freightwaves.com. It's free. The event's free. Registration's free. All free. And uh, that's a nice looking thumbnail. Uh, <laughs> the event is free. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's, the show thumbnail just popped up my screen and my ADD just kicked in. Um, it's exciting. You can win the Peloton. It's going to be a great event. If you've been following What the Truck, What the Truck listeners know that Michael Vince and I focused very heavily on warehouse automation this summer. We had a ton of great guests, and now we have a warehouse full of them uh, live together. Well, we're apart at the Future of Logistics Real Estate. Live.freightways.com. Register. Big deal. Do it. I agree with him as well. It's a big deal, and I, I think it's going to be incredibly interesting for people to tune in and, and watch and, and listen to all the innovation that there is and, and just what goes into this particular space when, you, when you're looking at logistics. Logistics, a lot of people think trucks, ships, planes. Real estate is huge. And the innovations thereof, obviously. You know, it's good a, answer, gentlemen. I would, have, I would have not liked to hear a little deal on that one. So, we're, well, we're uh, emceeing it. We're, we're emceeing it. What did you say? We're emceeing it too, Emily. So, of course, it's a big deal. Yes, of course. Yes, you'll be doing the play-by-play hosting throughout. So, that'll be great. Again, starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow, just go to live.freightwaves.com. Well, according to reports, CMA, CGM is the latest victim to the latest to fall victim to a cyber attack. According to American shipper journalist Kim Link-Wills, Regner Locker, that's the accused attacker, wrote, quote, there is only one possible way to get your files back. Contact us via live chat and pay for the special decryption key. Vincent, is this a big deal or a little deal? Uh, it's a very big deal. I mean, you're not talking, I mean, it's CMA, CGM, right? I mean, it's a very, very large player in the space, uh, in the shipping space. And for them to be able to hack in and ransomware this, uh, it's huge. The potential disruption at the ports, et cetera, for supply chain is is huge. Um, I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, they were offered a discount if they paid quicker, <laughs> which was interesting <laughs> to me. Well, that was kind of funny, but, um, you know, use this cope, use this, this code word to receive a discount when you log in. But, uh, you know, all kidding aside, it's obviously a huge deal and these things are getting more frequent. So you got to be aware out there. It can severely disrupt millions and millions of dollars of, of, uh, uh, you know, losses uh, potentially with this type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I have to agree with them. There's, there's a big one. There's been a big maritime one about every single year now, at least one a year over the past five years, they keep getting bigger and more uh, pervasive. As he mentioned, they did put that closing message which said, don't waste your time. The link to contact us will be deleted. If there is no contact made in the closest time, our view contact us within two days since get penetrated, you can get a very special price. Maybe you can register to win a Peloton. I don't know. But they, if, <laughs> the, you know, here's the thing with these ransom attacks, though. You know, they do offer a special price and it's kind of a joke, but look, every day that these things persist on, it costs these companies th hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in locked up freight. I know our friend Steve Ferreira, he's a madman. He was up at like three in the morning trying to follow this lead down. So uh, wild space. And, it, you know, this is there's just going to be more and more of these. I think at our last virtual event, we heard uh, Gene Soroka at the port say there was something like 59 million attempted attacks at the port of L.A. We talked to Port of Long Beach. They said very similar numbers between them as well. It's a huge deal. 
Definitely a huge deal. Well, I think this is a big deal. Personally, history was made during the Cleveland Browns versus Washington football game on Sunday. It was the first time ever during a regular season game where there was a female coach on both sidelines and also a female referee. Dooner, big deal or little deal? I think it is. You had Callie Brownson. She's the chief of staff for the Browns. You had Jennifer King. She's Washington football team's full year intern. And you had Sarah Thomas, who's serving as one of the referees. And this is this is awesome. Now, Michael Vincent has girls. I have boys, but I, you know, my boys are very influenced by, you know, what they see on TV and heroes and things like that. And, and, you know, I think for, for girls watching, especially girls have an interest in sports, it just makes it feel more inclusive. It makes it feel like if you're a girl, there's a road uh, beyond just being a sideline reporter, you know, or something to, to get into league and real legitimate Roles, And I'm not saying Southern Report is not a legitimate role, but I'm talking about roles that a lot of times there had been this no girls club. It's only a boys club type of thing involved. And Emily, you could probably speak better to this than than Michael Vincent and I could. So let me turn the mic to you. Yeah, I, I think it's a big deal. And you made a really good point. And I, I'm personally not going to knock sideline reporters because I was one in my past. And I know it's a very important role. And it's really hard to really gain that credibility, too, as a woman on the sidelines. But you see that so often now. You see those girls on the sidelines. But what you don't see are people who don't have a camera in front of them. So talking about the coaches, talking about any assistant coach, your referee on the field. So I think that is big because it's really hard to see women on these coaching staffs. And I really want to see more of that. I want to see women interviewing women during these professional games. So I, I, I think that's huge. What, what do you think, Vincent? Because you do have two little girls and I'm sure they watch this type of thing and think I could be anything I want to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I watch sports with my girls, so it doesn't matter what I watch. It's always baseball. Uh, <laughs> and I was watching football and I was watching the Cleveland Browns, but they call it baseball. But I think it's a huge deal. I, I think it's a really huge deal because now, like you said, you're not knocking the sideline reporters, but now they're in the game. They're actually, you know, they're involved inside the game. They've like made it inside. And, and it speaks volumes to the NFL and the opportunities within that league. But it it goes further than that. You 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 now that it's not a good old boys club. You have women in there actually within it, not just reporters in there. And you can translate that to in any industries. If you can get in there, you can get into all the other industries as well. So a huge deal. To yeah, me. a little a little cowbell a little cowbell for those women. Awesome stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D O N E R. You can find her at Emily Zink S Z I N K and him at Vincent the Dude. Or look us up on LinkedIn. Keep the conversation going. You can find every single Freightways podcast by looking up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player, including all these events. All these events are uploaded to them. Uh, I think our last one from our last events being uploaded right now. But then you will have all the ones from the future of logistics, real estate, which is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time live.freightwave.com to register to watch live that is your hub for all things um emily take us out what, what else is good what else is good um we have an event tomorrow <laughs> Dooner. that yes. is the great news and again you can register for that peloton but you have to register so go to live.freightwaves.com right now for your chance to ride with dooner who wouldn't want that yeah. And thanks. I've been listening to Morrison. She says, always a great show. Thank you. Love listening to our TV family and guests. Thank you so much for putting on these great shows. I've been here with great social media comes great social responsibility. Michael Vincent, give him a piece of love.